When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We have ourselves a Stanley Cup final. That is the for the first time in franchise history, the Florida Panthers win a Stanley Cup final game as they take down the Golden Knights in overtime. And it was Connor Verhage, who's been such a good player for them, fourth overtime goal. And, you know, just looking at social media, you got Islander fans upset. You got Maple Leaf fans upset. You got Lightning fans upset. He was all a part of those organizations, and he's found a home in Florida. Much like Marsha Show's found a home in Vegas, Verhage's found a home in Florida. And now he got a series. And I think Vegas let this one slip through their fingers. They Again, the first team since the Islanders, I think, I believe, 1980, to have two power play goals in each of the first three Stanley Cup final games. Uh, and uh, they just could not finish off last night. They got a gift of a penalty at the end of the third period when um, it was a skate-on-skate play. They ended up calling the penalty. It was awful on Forsling. And at that particular point, not having a dog in a fight, but if anything, I was looking for Florida win just to be able to get a little more juice to this series. I don't think anybody wants to see a sweep unless you reside in Vegas or had bet the Golden Knights to sweep. I'm like, I don't want the game to end that way on a bogus penalty. But they were able to kill it off and then eventually get the goal. So good on Florida. they got to be more disciplined. They have to be. I know some of the calls were not exactly the greatest, but this Vegas team is going to eat you alive. They're not exactly at the level as Edmonton with a man advantage, but it feels like that way in this series. So good on the Panthers for getting the win. The place was up for grabs. It's it. I understand it's Vegas and Florida, and it's not sexy. But outside of the game two, which was very lopsided, I thought you had a two-two game in game one that eventually went to the Golden Knights with the empty net goal five-two. You saw an overtime game in game three with Florida winning. So I'm expecting a lot of fun on Saturday. Maybe the series gets even, goes back to Vegas with it still being very much up for grabs. I'm really, really looking forward to that. But how how much of a beast is Kachuk? Takes the hit, leaves in concussion protocol, comes back, scores the game tying goal with a little over two minutes to play. He has just been really just outstanding. Mike Rupp on social media says he's the best five-on-five player in the National Hockey League, and I can't disagree. Uh, he has been just tremendous in this series, and boy, that that deal with Calgary just really bearing fruit. So Panthers won't go away, much like the Heat in the NBA. You want to throw dirt on them, they find a way to climb their way back in. And we'll see if they can even the series coming up tomorrow. A uh, few little tidbits here. You know, the um, Flyers, Kings, and Blue Jackets pulled off a three-way deal earlier in the week. And, of course, the main component is Ivan Provorov going to Columbus. And then you couple that with Damon Severson getting traded, or at least his rights getting traded, to Columbus for a third-round pick from New Jersey. And they gave him a load of money. 
Um, I'm not sure I would give him that much money, but you look at Columbus now, you get Provorov, who I think is a stud, and you know Severson's got a ton of experience, been in this league since 2015, uh, can make things happen. So they strengthen their blue line, adding two nice players, maybe a little bit of an overpay for Severson, but the you know, Devils were not going to re-sign him because they don't want to landlock uh, Nimick and certainly um, Hughes, who's a part of their future defensively. So Severson was going to definitely go. So the fact that you were able to snag a third-round pick, good job out of uh, Fitzgerald getting that done. So I think a good job by both teams. Columbus strengthening their blue line, which is the way to go in this league, right? I mean, Provorov's going to give you minutes. Severson, the same thing. Um, but the Devils getting younger and getting better and getting a pick out of a player that they weren't going to re-sign anyway was a nice move. Um, but, you know, Carter Hart is someone, now that Peterson goes over in the deal, you just wonder what what's going to happen with Carter Hart. And a lot of rumors he could end up in Toronto. New Jersey's looking for a goaltender. I don't think Philadelphia's going to trade him in the division. A lot of rumors swirling that Hullabuck destination might be New Jersey. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's going to be a very, very fun off season uh, to determine where all that is going to go. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting seeing um, what Severson was able to do. But here's a little trivia question for Anthony Pusick, who's a big hockey guy. Hi. I went and looked this up. I, I had a feeling what the answer was, but I wanted to confirm it. Uh, Damon Severson was the longest tenured devil before the deal. Uh, his rookie season was the 2015-2016 season. So now that he is gone, who is the longer te- longest tenured New Jersey devil? Yikes. Wow. There are so many new guys on that team. I know. Well, just to give you a hint, he came in the year after Severson. So, wow, okay. You know, it's not it's not really that long, so 16-17. But you're right. I mean, it's it really, there's nobody, everybody's, they've had such turnover with the draft picks and free agency that... Uh, See, I was going to say Heesher, but that's wrong. That's, that's, that's too short. Wow. It's got to be... It's neither, neither of their goaltenders. Could it be one of their forwards... Has Brat been there that long? No. No. No, because he's he's fighting for that contract, right? <sighs> Mercer? No. Oof. Gosh. You got me. I don't know. Miles Wood. Wow. How about that? Miles <laughs> Wood, longest tenured devil. <laughs> By my calculations, anyway, I kind of just went through it. And, yeah, how about that? Yeah, because he sure was drafted in 17. So, yeah, how about that? How about that, Mikey? That's something. It, no, it's definitely also it's speaks definitely to, It also just speaks to the – it's not necessarily the youth of that team because, of course, they added Palat and he's older and things yeah, like that. But Palat's just taller. how much turnover has happened on that team and that the core is so young and just being able to add these ancillary pieces around them. Really is pretty amazing. Uh, coaching uh, news, certainly nothing uh, locally as far as the Rangers are concerned. But we didn't get a chance to mention when we did the podcast on Tuesday that uh, Greg Cronin, new head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, first time as a head coach in the National Hockey League, spent time as an assistant with the Islanders, uh, head coach in Bridgeport, uh, 60 years old, but he's getting his first chance to be a coach there with the Ducks. And 
according to Elliot Freeman, who announced it in the second intermission last night and was tweeting it out that Ryan Huska is the rumored uh, front runner to get the Calgary Flames job. Now Huska has been an assistant there. He has uh, he has coached in the AHL affiliate with the Flames in the couple of cities that they moved to. So certainly grooming him. He's been with them since 2014. So you're starting to see with the Ducks and the Flames that there isn't a hesitancy at all to bring up coaches without head coaching experience. Now, the Ducks aren't a cup team, so maybe they're exempt from this conversation. The Flames won the division last year, so they feel like that maybe they could be in competition for a cup and may go with somebody with inexperience. But what this kind of leads me to is bringing it back to the Rangers – Is Chris Knobloch a serious consideration for this job? Um, I don't think so because, again, you just can't get it wrong if you're Chris Drury. And do you really want to go with that kind of inexperience? He was hired by Drury for Hartford, and he did coach when David Quinn got COVID when they were in the bubble. So he's got some NHL experience. But something's going on, Anthony. I I can't put a finger on it because I originally thought, well, nobody's going to be hiring anybody during the Stanley Cup final, but the Ducks were able to make an announcement. You know, the rumors continue to swirl. Elliot Friedman's reporting that he hears, not that it's going to be anything official, but he's hearing a lot of rumblings about John Hines getting this job. And I know that Chris is close to him. I know he's a defensive guy, and Chris wants to play maybe more of a defensive system. But I've said it time and time again on this podcast, you fired your coach because you couldn't get out of the first round. You're going to hire a coach that's never been out of the first round in either New Jersey or Nashville. So what is it about LaViolette? They did not interview Patrick Waugh after he won the Memorial Cup. They did not interview him. I guess LaViolette has had at least one interview Hines has at least one interview. There's rumors that both have had more than one. Um, it doesn't seem like there's any appetite for Mike Babcock. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of rumblings that they're waiting for Joel Quinville to whether just interview him or actually have him be a candidate for the job. So I don't want to say they're dragging their feet, but what I'm going to say is that I think Chris Drury understands just how vitally important this hire is. If he gets this wrong, he could be out the door as well. Not very often, unless you're Brian Cashman, do you get a chance to hire a third head coach. And he was bold with his moves when he came in here, and he let David Quinn go for Gerard Gallant. Nobody criticized that hire, but maybe unconventionally let him go after two seasons. It's a win-now team, but the window could be closing well, as good as this division is, guys, I mean, really, honestly, you know, Columbus I Columbus is a team I look at that could be very, very dangerous as far as them getting their act together. And if Mike Babcock takes that job, and with Provorov and Severson and a healthy line A and a, a, a Johnny Gaudreau, that's, I'm not, could they be the New Jersey of next season? Where hey, they'll be better, but I don't think they'll be a playoff team. And the next thing you know, they're competing for the division. Carolina's not going anywhere. Um, The Islanders, Lou Lamarillo did speak to the media this week. And status quo there, he still believes he's got a core, still believes they can can do something. So they're not going to rebuild that. Um, Lambert's not going anywhere. So that's that's a playoff team from last year that at least feels like they can be back. But you look at the teams that missed last year. 
you know, Pittsburgh apparently is going to go for another kick at the can with um, with Kyle Dubas as their president. So it doesn't look like they're rebuilding at all, not with Latang under contract, not with Malkin under contract, not with Crosby under contract. So this is a very, very interesting division. Chris really can't afford to get it wrong. So let's wait and see what ends up happening there. I'm finding it very, very fascinating. I thought that it was going to be done by now. Uh, Maybe they are just being respectful and waiting until the Stanley Cup final will be over. But now with Florida winning last night, we do know it's going to at least spill into next week. Don't think it's that important to have your coach there for the draft, although I think from an optic standpoint, you'd like to have all your ducks in a row. The draft work has already been done. Your general manager obviously in place. Um, but free agency-wise on July 1st, I think, you know, I'm not saying that the Rangers can really do a lot free agent-wise because of the cap situation, but I'm sure when you're trying to get something done – convincing people to come be with your team you want to be able to tell them who's coaching them so uh interesting stuff with kizik hands free shoes motion sounds something like this kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over 200 patents and easy on easy off technology you'll never have to touch your shoes again there are hundreds of styles and colors plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt for a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, and let's go to Jersey Guy. What did you think of the tripping call in the final 11 seconds of regulation? Would you have let that slide? Didn't seem like much there. Also, thoughts on the Damon Severson to Columbus deal while well, I gave you that. And again, it was it was a bogus call. It really was. And I think... I'm not even sure, honestly, and I didn't see any quotes from the officials, if whether they called it being a skate on skate or whether they thought he was actually tripped up by Forsling. With 11 seconds to go in regulation of a Stanley Cup final game, I'm not making that call. And that's why I was glad that it wasn't called. I'm not a big fan of expanding replay, but considering you already replay whether it's a major or a minor, in situations like that, I'd love to be able to get Anthony's thoughts on this, in the final couple of minutes, in a big moment like that, would you want to see a coach have the ability to challenge like they do in the NBA, whether it was really a penalty or not? I wouldn't want to see it during the course of games, but in in, in key situations, um, I, I'd like. I wish there was an avenue in which something like that could happen. And I really believe if they got a second glance at that, they would have not called the penalty on Forsling. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, Don, if we're going to use this technology anyway, and by technology I mean just the ability to look at things over again, um, I don't see why you wouldn't want to try and get something as right as you possibly can, yeah, as often you, as you can. Now, I mean, what's interesting there, because I guess you would have to be just like uh, challenging goaltender interference or offside, is that if, if, if it's proven that it is a penalty then you, you take a penalty. Um, and if that's the case, now you're down to five on three. So in most cases, I don't think anybody would do it unless it was something glaring. Would last night have qualified? I don't know. Well, maybe this is the wrong take for me, but because it did not affect the end of the game, I'm not as upset about it. Um, if it ended up being that that penalty was what led to the game-winning goal, I would certainly feel a different way about it, especially That's if I was true. a fan. I, I was happy that um, they didn't score. But yeah, um, 
it, it, but that but again you want to get it right it doesn't matter whether it affected it or not it affected it in some capacity but yeah i i think that there should be able to be review for that and i i didn't think it was much of a penalty either no 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 not at all uh jimmy Berger says vegas is six for 17 on the power play in this series 35 percent florida 0 for 12 i'm not counting the panthers out by any means but to me their special teams have to improve in a hurry if they're going to come back and win this series to me more so the kill than the power play. Because I really think Bobrovsky's been a major reason why that, um, that um, excuse me, that Al- Hill has been a major reason why that Florida hasn't been able to cash in on their power plays. I think they were 0 for 2 in game 2 to start the game with 8 shots on goal. Hill has been just really surprisingly good here. But you're right, you cannot live 35%. Um, or basically you're killing killing penalties at 65% through the first three games of the series and expect to be able to win it. And they were fortunate enough last night to be able to survive that kill at the end of uh, regulation and the start of overtime and then get your own goal to win it. We could be sitting here looking at this series basically being all over but just having to finish that last game, and now we got ourselves a series. So, yeah, that certainly is going to have to change. There's no question about it. Uh, let's see here. David Hines says, I have to disagree with your take that Vegas is due. They're a six-year-old franchise on their third head coach and come off an entitled franchise just because they made the final in year one. I say more Florida due to largely unsuccessful history in Paul Maurice. You're missing under- misunderstanding when I say due. I'm not saying deserving. I'm saying due, meaning I think they're about to get this done. They're due to have it done. Six years in the league, two Stanley Cup final appearances, two other conference final appearances. You know, So four out of their first six years, they've won at least two rounds in the playoffs and have made the playoffs five of the six years. So when I say they're due, they're, I think they've, they have gotten to the point where they're ready to take the next step. Not deserving, because they've only been in the league six years, and it's hard to even call a Golden Knights fan diehard, considering that you know seven years ago they weren't even a fan of the team. Where the Panthers, when you talk about deserving, this is a team that went from going to the Stanley Cup Final in 96 when they were swept by Colorado to not getting out of the first round until last year, 96-22, to 22, either missing the playoffs or getting bounced in the first round. So, no, you're misunderstanding, David. As far as, like, deserving and paying their dues, so to speak, then, yeah, Florida is deserving. When I say Vegas is due, meaning that it just feels like the natural next step is for them to be able to win the Stanley Cup. I feel the same way about Denver in the NBA, too. Uh, Daniel Weber says, why, again, has Fitzgerald not a GM of the um, of year's finalist? He just squeezed a third-round pick out of the team in division for a guy whose spot was 100% going to Nemec or Luke Hughes next year. I'm not sure. I don't know whether it's because that already um, Ruff was a finalist. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, Anthony, if you can punch up who the um, the GMs of the year candidates were uh, this offseason. But, no, he's done a tremendous job. The draft, the moves that they made, um, even the Timo Meyer deal, even though it didn't really bear fruit in the postseason. So you got Jim Nill, Don Sweeney, and Bill Zito. And Bill Zito definitely deserves yeah, to be a nominee yeah, and probably will win. Yeah, Bill Zito's going to probably win in a landslide. 
Neil did a good job uh, with Dallas. And um, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, listen, I'm not going to get crazy about it. And besides, um, the deal that he pulled off there uh, today certainly isn't going to count towards. Uh, what was happening in the regular season. Dan says, what would be the rationale behind the Rangers hiring Hines? He has never coached a team to more than 97 points in a single season. Well, the rationale is is that he's close with Drury. And he's a defensive-minded guy. So I don't know if Drury's thinking, I want to clamp down. I'm, I'm tired of being the team that gets clamped down, I, I want to do better defensively. They got a really good defenseman. I, again, I don't know the logic. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Unless you're just going to tell me that he just couldn't get along with Gallant and it really had nothing to do with the fact they got bounced in the first round. He just wanted to change. But if getting bounced in the first round was the major reason why you fired him, then I got to make sure I bring in a guy that's got a history of getting out of the first round. And I think I, I think John Hyde's a good coach. I do. But if my job's on the line, I'm going to want a guy that's been there and done that. And, and, and to me, again, I'm biased because I know Peter. I'd like him to get the job, but I look at his resume and I say, this is a guy that's been there and done that. He knows the division. He's been around the block. I would feel comfortable hiring him, but I'm not the one doing the hiring. I really do think, Don, that there's more problems with this team than just the head coach. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe, you know, Gallant did wear on the players and the core, and they weren't getting the necessary detail-oriented structure that they needed. But, again, you talk about Drury getting three chances at a head coach. How many cores get to go through three coaches? This core, and there was interest apparently, I think it was Elliot Friedman, uh, one of the guys up in Canada that said that the Rangers are interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois. How? How are they? How? What are they? Where is that coming from? They might have to make some very difficult decisions. And here's how I look at it on the surface. If you're going to come back as presently constituted with a few little moves here or there, then you're probably better off going with a Peter Laviolette, going with a Mike uh, Babcock, you know, seeing what happens with Joel Quinville, somebody with experience to try to see if they can get more out of this core than Gallant was able to get. But if you're really thinking of doing a reimagining, because they're not going to rebuild, they can't rebuild but a reimagining where you're going to actually let some really strong pieces go and change the image of this team? Is that where you're like, yeah, I, I, I want John Hines to be a part of that. He's a young guy. I want Knobloch to be a part of that. He's a young guy. Just a, re, just a whole reimagining of this team in an image of what you've, you've seen with 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 you look you look at Vegas you look at you look at Florida you look at the teams that have made it I mean I know Kachuk has turned out to be a star and I know that Eichel is is supposed to be a star but you look at those teams and I look at Marsha show and I and I look at Howden it's got to drive Ranger fans crazy that Brett Howden is scoring big goals right and you look at Florida and what Verhage was is able to do what Montour is able to do like it can't always be about the Zabanajads the Criders and the Panarins. They're going to get you there. When they went to the conference final last year, Anthony, it was Cop, it was Vetrano, it was a lot of sometimes the ancillary guys. And I'm not that beat up about Howden, though, Don. Honestly, no, but uh, but I'm just saying that it's just maybe you're rooting for him. I don't know, but the, but the point is, is that those are the guys that help you win. Like, it can't always be about your superstars. We've seen that with Panarin. Those guys can get shut down. It's it's only special 
superstar players like a Joe Sackick that can go out there and score 19 goals you know, in a playoff run. But sometimes it's those guys you don't think of. You go back to the 95 Devils, right? It was Claude Lemieux. It was um, Neil Broughton scoring big goals for them. Well, they had you know, his son the, the, for a the while. The crash line with Holik and McKay, they, they weren't the stars of the team. You know, those are the guys that come sometimes get it done. And, and Anthony, do they have those guys? They don't. Um, again, Cop and Vetrano, we talked about it on almost yeah. ad nauseum. The Cop and Vetrano were clearly better fits than Tarasenko and Kane. And I liked both those guys. I liked all four of those guys. Um, and you can make the argument that Tarasenko was a fit. I mean, he was, he was productive in the playoffs. Maybe not what everybody expected. Um, but when you have centers that aren't as aggressive or physical... I guess Trocek is probably the most physical center they do have. The kid line not doing what they did last year in the playoffs, you're not going to be able to get very far. I mean, top to bottom, both Florida and Vegas, all four of their lines can score in some capacity. Yeah, Maybe not it. as equal, no. but they can. But there are scoring threats. And yes, Brett Howden is one of those guys. Shockingly, yeah. Brett Howden is one of those guys. And, and good for him, and, and they're well coached. And all that just that, yeah, so we'll see if there's going to be some sort of a reimagining there in New York, and I guess that can really tell you uh, who the head coach is going to be. Donnell Weaver says, hey, Don, I know that the NHL was doing a rotate of the finals on ABC and TNT when they got the deal, but putting the finals on cable doesn't make sense. How are you supposed to get people into the NHL if you have all the final games on cable? Here's the problem, all right? Who doesn't have cable now, all right? I can understand this conversation 30 years ago. And TNT is putting it on TBS, putting it on True TV. So, yes, you're going to get a better rating over the air than you're going to get on cable. That for, for whatever reason, that still ends up being the case. But it's not like people can't find it. It's not like people don't know or don't have TBS. And listen, if it, last year, Stanley Cup Final, there were a couple of games that were on ESPN. Not all seven games or potential seven games are going to be on ABC. So even going back to when NBC had it, NBC didn't have all games. You still had NBC Sportsnet would carry a couple of the games, and then eventually the, the deciding games would end up on ABC. The ratings are lower. You know, still about 2.5 million people are watching it because these are not traditional teams. These aren't teams that have amazing fan bases. You know, so if this is Boston and Chicago, they would be getting tremendous numbers. If it was, you know, the Rangers taking on you know, the Chicago Blackhawks or, you know, uh, another just trying to think of a team out west that might actually draw a rating. But whatever, it's just I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I like the TNT's putting it on three different platforms. Um, and I think the numbers are suffering just because it's probably the worst matchup that you can get. You're not going to get a lot of fence sitters that are going to jump on this series. So that's just the way it's going to be. And they're going to be the same like with baseball. The, the attractiveness of the matchup is going to have a lot to do with the ratings. Super Bowl doesn't matter. You can have Jacksonville versus Carolina. You're going to get a great rating. But, you know, if the if the baseball's got the Marlins and the Rays, their ratings are going to suffer. And this is kind of a version of the Marlins and the Rays. It's the Golden Knights and the Panthers. And no, uh, no insult uh, or offense to the fan bases of those teams. But I think, you know, it is what it is. Um, want to throw this out there. Um, I saw that the L.A. Kings are going to simulcast their radio. So Nick Nixon and uh, Jimmy Fox are going to be on um, on the TV, and they're going to take the feed off of TV and put it on radio, which I hate. Um, I think it does a disservice to the radio audience because, 
you know, I listen to Dallas games who do the same thing, and you're hearing music and you're hearing different highlight packages and stuff that just don't fit radio. And the radio announcer is going to do it. The television announcer is going to do a television call, which isn't going to be as detailed. We'll see if Nick, who's a radio guy, and maybe that's the reason that they chose him to do it, will give a radio call on television. We'll have to see. And I'm very happy for Nick. He's been there forever. Um, but Alex Faust's contract was not renewed. Young kid, outstanding kids, does national games on television and radio. I felt terrible that he was let go. It sickens me that there are a lot of good people, hardworking people, that broke their ass to get where they need to be. I know Alex for a long time, and he got that break. There's a lot of good people that were auditioning for that ga- for that gig in Los Angeles after Bob Miller retired. You had Ralph Strangis, who was a longtime uh, radio guy in Dallas. You had uh, Jack Michaels that was up for uh, doing some games in L.A. Remember, they were auditioning people in L.A. doing King's Games when Bob was trying to reduce his schedule before he officially retired. And Alex got that gig. And, you know, and he lasts at it for a few years. And because of the cost cutting we're seeing post-COVID, where they realize, A, we don't have to travel. B, we don't have to we have a radio crew. I just think it sucks. As a radio guy, I think it sucks. As a fan of Alex, I think it sucks. So good for Nick Nixon. I'm happy for him. He was able to keep his gig. Uh, but it just, uh, it just sickens me that you're seeing good radio people lose their jobs. We saw it in Carolina with... Um, Chuck Caton forced into an early retirement. He's a legend. He's all a famer. Out of a job in Carolina. Um, John Forslund was let go in Carolina. Luckily, he was able to find a job in Seattle. And congratulations to him. Uh, awful announcing uh, had had a poll and rated the Seattle television broadcast as the best in the NHL. John and Eddie O do a tremendous job there. So congratulations to them. But I just don't like where this industry is going here. I understand it's all about making money. But really, how much money are you gaining or losing by devaluing your radio product? Honestly, you know, uh, you're spending millions and millions of dollars on players, on executives, on the building. So the measly few thousand dollars that you save by not having a radio broadcast and letting a really good announcer go, to me, is just short-sighted. Because the better the announcer, the better your organization looks. I remember um, Lou Lamarillo, when he took over the Devils, one of the first things he did, the Devils, prior to Lou getting there, Lou got there at the start of the 87-88 season. I don't even know if Anthony knows this. They were on like MCA radio. It was a very small, bottom-of-the-dial AM station. And he said, you know what? I want people to know where the Devils are. And he paid and made sure that they're on ABC. They were on the same radio station for a long time that the New York Yankees were on. He saw the value of, hey, if we're a big-time team, we want to we want be on a big-time radio station because people still do listen to the radio. Get in the car. You know, I can't always watch the games on television. I'm a big radio guy. I listen to a satellite radio. I listen to the games all over the place, and, and I think it's important to have TV guys. They're the face of your um, – they're the, certainly the face of – of your organization, but the radio guy is too. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to back up Kenny Albert. Kenny's an institution on radio in New York doing the Rangers, just as Sam is on the television side and the way with the Islanders. And they have their, uh, you know, Brendan Burke, who's been doing it since 2016, and he's killing it and he's amazing. And Chris King, the same thing, what he's able to do on radio. Having that separate voice is really important. 
uh, and and the Devils too. And Matt Lachlan on radio, and 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 the decision they made after Steve Cangelosi left, um, they 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 made the right decisions to move it with with Bill Spalding, and they become the uh, the essence of your organization. And you devalue that, I think you devalue your organization. And there's not a lot of, you know, you're, you're making multi-million dollar deals with players. You know, we're talking of thousands of dollars for these announcers. And you save yourself uh, a little bit of money. Uh, what's that old saying? A uh, penny wise, a dollar foolish. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like with these decisions you're making. Chuck Caton was an institution in Carolina, beloved by all of their fans, came over from Hartford. He was a Hall of Famer. Matter of fact, he's the guy that calls you when you get inducted into the Hall of Fame as a radio or television announcer. And he's out the door, and now they're simulcasting their uh, television to the radio. And, and listen, uh, Maniscalco does a great job. I'm, I'm, I'm very friendly with him. Good for him. He got the gig. But I felt bad for Forslund. I felt bad for Caton. These guys are an institution. They were they were as a part of the fabric of the Carolina Hurricanes as as Eric Stoll or Rod Brindamore or Cam Ward. And I just uh, I, I hate to see where this business is headed. And um, I just I mean, I'm lucky that I have a job with an organization that at least that right now doesn't seem like it feels that way. So. Uh, my heart goes out to Alex. He's going to land on his feet. There's no question. He's too good of an announcer not to. But that was a good gig. He did a great job, and I really feel uh, bad for him. So I'm off my soapbox. We'll be back with you again on Monday. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to EJ at that point. It's going to be tough because of the time difference. Well, we'll be back in Florida, right? So game – no, we'll be back in Vegas because game four is in is in um, Florida Saturday. And we're going to have a game five We'll get, we'll get, we'll figure something out. We'll talk on Monday. We'll recap the weekend. Maybe the Rangers will be closer to a coach. We'll see. Maybe Calgary will make things official with Huska. We'll see. Thank the Anthony Pusick. Thanks for everybody who tweeted at Don LaGreca. Hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll reconvene on Monday. Have a tremendous weekend, everybody. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.